Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the program, podcast, our thank you gift, and how to donate when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael and the beginning of his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 called Honor and Worship. We're going to shift gears and talk about the honor of our God in worship. What does that look like? We're in a very difficult and controversial passage. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's turn over there in our Bibles. Honor in worship is the title. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. As we've been doing, why don't we uh, read the whole text together? And if you're physically able, let's stand to our feet as we read the word of God. 1 Corinthians 11. We're going to pick it up in verse 2. Now I praise you because you remember me, says Paul to the Corinthian church, in everything and hold firmly to the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that that Christ is the head of every man, 11.3. The man is the head of a woman and God is the head of Christ. Every man who has something on his head while praying or prophesying disgraces his head. But every woman who has her head uncovered while praying or prophesying disgraces her head, for she is one and the same as the woman whose head is shaved. For if a woman does not cover her head, let her also have her hair cut off. But if it is disgraceful for a woman to have her hair cut off or her head shaved, let her, let her cover her head. Seven. For a man ought not to have his head covered since he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man. For man does not originate from woman, but woman from man. For indeed, man was not created for the woman's sake, but woman for the man's sake. Therefore, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. However, in the Lord, neither is woman independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For as the woman originates from the man, so also the man has his birth through the woman. And all things originate from God. Judge for yourselves, is it proper for a woman to pray uh, to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him? But if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. But if one is inclined to be contentious, we have no other practice nor have the churches of God. And all God's people said, are you sure you want to say it? (laughs) All right. You may have a seat. Uh, Some of you didn't want to say amen. You wanted to say, huh? (laughs) Well, this is one of those huh passages because much of the content goes back to 2,000 years to first century Corinth in a Greco-Roman society and has a cultural bent to it. And so because it's a cultural situation with uh, biblical principles at the foundation, it's going to take a little bit of work for us to understand what Paul is saying and what he is not saying. So I think it's important for you to know that what Paul is addressing is early worship in the early Christian church. This is actually a glimpse into what it looked like in early church services. And something was happening in the Corinthian congregation that was bringing dishonor. It was out of order. It was not what God wanted. And so Paul was inspired to write to the church about proper order in worship. 
You and I may not think of this much in the West, but God does have specific things that he wants to see when we worship. In fact, in verse 10 of this text, we, are, uh, we have a mention of the angels because of the angels. And you may not think of this often, but the angels even seem to have a role in the corporate worship of the church. The angels that spend time in the presence of God and never cease to say day and night, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. So God is holy. And even though we are saved by grace and we are kept by grace, there is a certain expectation, there's a certain order that God uh, desires for his people to please him in worship. And when we gather here, that's essentially our main goal is to honor the Lord. And so Paul, in verse 4, we laid the foundation of this last week with talking about heavenly roles. He begins with the man. He says, every man, 11.4, who has something on his head while praying or prophesying disgraces or dishonors his head. But every woman, you have the man in verse 4, the woman in verse 5. Remember, we said you could translate these words husband and wife as well. But every woman or wife who has her head uncovered while praying or prophesying disgraces her head. For she is one and the same as the woman whose head is shaved. Now, the word disgrace there, if you have a New American Standard Bible, or dishonor, is, the, is a Greek word which means to shame down. It literally means to put to the blush. It means something that would cause disgrace and dishonor or shame. What is that? Well, in verse 4, the man is addressed. And the man, it says, every man who has something on his head while praying and prophesying. Would you know, notice that in verses 4 and 5, both the man and the woman are praying or prophesying, or both, in the context of an early church service. What does that mean? Well, prayer, and this word for prayer, can mean intercession, but it also means worship. So you could think of an early church service where people, as we just did, are perhaps worshiping God in song. Or when we all prayed for Cameron just a moment ago, we, some of you put out your hand and corporately we sought the Lord in prayer for one of the body members. Prophesying has the idea in chapter 12 and more in 14 of clear proclamation of truth to edify, exhort, and console. We'll talk more about that when we get into spiritual gifts. So certainly male and female are participants in early church worship services. We have other scriptures that bring a little bit more balance and clarity to the roles there. But what we do know is that they are co-participants and they're doing the same thing. They're both praying, husband and wife, male and female, and they are prophesying or speaking truth into one another's lives. The word dishonor, if you have an ESV, New King James, NIV, the dishonoring of one's head is a major theme. It's the big idea of verses 4 through 6. The man in verse 4, the husband, if you will, is addressed, and he is first addressed in verse 3 as headship is laid out, and the woman or the wife is addressed in the following verse in verse 5. Together they pray, together they prophesy. The primary location of the text is an early church gathering. Now remember that church buildings were not established until a couple centuries later, so the early church met in homes. And that may have, uh, you know, been a reason why some of these things could happen. 
maybe a more casual atmosphere could lend itself to some questionable behaviors and things that might need to be addressed. And so we are taken into a home. You might imagine a large, small group Bible study. Maybe you've been part of one in a home. That would be this context. Maybe uh, someone grabs the guitar and worship begins to go forth. Maybe people begin to quote scripture and speak encouragement and exhortation and consolation into one another's lives. That's what's going on, an early church worship service. And I think it's safe to envision this in this text, and you might want to just, uh, if you're taking notes, go ahead and write that down. One writer says, obviously, there is a significant, significant cultural distance between us and the Corinthian church. Some things that were common to them seem strange to us. Of course, much of what is common to us would be incomprehensible to them. But there is a significant overlap between us as well particularly at the level of principle. Though the application of biblical principles can take various forms in different cultures, the principles stand, close quote. Obviously, men and women are engaged in worship, but something was happening to dishonor one's head. The man whose head is Christ, Christ was being dishonored or potentially dishonored, if this is a real situation, and the husband was being dishonored by actions of the wife or the woman. And so we need to see this in terms of paying attention to one another, in terms of the context of worship, husband and wife. This is a controversial text, as I mentioned, but we need to have understanding. Some of the cultural understanding will become clear as we go through it, and I hope to bring clarity where there may be some confusion. Let me give you an example of a cultural uh, action that the principle still exists, but the application or the living out of it might be different. Take, for example, Jesus washes the disciples' feet in John 13, the night before he dies. He says, do you see what I've done to you? I'm paraphrasing. You ought to do the same. If I washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet, for I've given you an example that you should do as I did. You call me master and lord, And you're right, that's what I am. If I washed your feet, your master and Lord, you ought to wash one another's feet. Now, modern Christians might say, does that mean that we are to be engaged in foot washing ceremonies? I don't think so. I hope not, frankly. (laughs) But in the first century, they wore open-toed sandals. There were dirt roads. And the lowest slave would often wash the feet of the person who came into the home and kind of take care of their needs in that way. What's a modern example? Maybe someone comes over for dinner and we offer to take their coat. Uh, Maybe a modern example is that your pastor's car is really dirty and you offer to wash and wax it at no additional charge. All right? You know, you guys could think of many different ways that you could apply this, right? You know, we have people who shine shoes today. We all wear uh, typically regular shoes. Could that be an application? I don't know. It, It doesn't necessarily mean that we have to worry too much about what that might look like, but we need to understand the spirit of what Jesus said. What was Jesus doing in washing the disciples' feet? They were arguing about which one of them was the greatest. Jesus said, I am the greatest one, and I humbled myself before you, and I'm gonna pay the ultimate humility in dying in the shame and agony of the cross, and you guys can't stop fighting about which one of you is the greatest. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Do you feel equipped to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are you prepared to explain why you believe Jesus is the Son of God? Do you find it difficult to defend your Christian faith? The Ministry of Walk in Truth and Pastor Michael Lance would like to give you a copy of his book, Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. My hope in writing the book was to help each and every one of us know how to put on this armor so that we can be effective in our Christian walk and not fall and hurt ourselves and others. And of course, you know, we should be thinking about we don't want to dishonor our God who purchased us. And so we put on the provision. That's the takeaway is, hey, I know how to do this now. We will send you a copy of Suit Up as a thank you when you send a financial gift of $5 or more to Walk in Truth. Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry, and we appreciate your help to broadcast and grow the ministry to more radio stations. Please give online at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com. Click the Donate button or call 844-48-TRUTH. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Now, Back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. In the first century, they wore open-toed sandals. There were dirt roads. And the lowest slave would often wash the feet of the person who came into the home and kind of take care of their needs in that way. What's a modern example? Maybe someone comes over for dinner and we offer to take their coat. Uh, Maybe a modern example is that your pastor's car is really dirty and you offer to wash and wax it at no additional charge, all right? You know, you guys could think of many different ways that you could apply this, right? You know, we have people who shine shoes today. We all wear uh, typically regular shoes. Could that be an application? I don't know. It, It doesn't necessarily mean that we have to worry too much about what that might look like. But we need to understand the spirit of what Jesus said. What was Jesus doing in washing the disciples' feet? They were arguing about which one of them was the greatest. Jesus said, I am the greatest one, and I humbled myself before you, and I'm going to pay the ultimate humility in dying in the shame and agony of the cross, and you guys can't stop fighting about which one of you is the greatest. And so he took a radical example in the culture of that day to make the uh, application or the biblical principle point. Everybody with me? And so we need wisdom in a few cases where there is a cultural situation, but the spirit of the text or the biblical principle needs to be really what we pay attention to. Paul has laid out headship, heavenly roles, in the first, in verses two and three, he's talking about headship. We talked about the Greek word is kephale. If you're interested, the Hebrew word for head is rosh. It comes from the Hebrew letter, the 20th letter of the Hebrew alphabet, resh. And we have a holiday in Judaism called Rosh Hashanah. And Rosh Hashanah is the head of the year. And so it's interesting that in the Hebrew picture language, when Moses would have 
drew the resh. It looks like a man's head. And so headship permeates the Bible from the beginning to the end, all the way back to Genesis chapter 2. Jesus is the head of the church, and we have these principles laid out in marriage and in the church. Hold your place in 1 Corinthians and turn to Colossians a little bit to your right. I want to show you something as it connects to marriage and worship and the uh, spirit filling us and the word of God richly dwelling in us. This is Colossians 3. Ephesians 5 is the parallel passage where it says, don't be drunk with wine, be filled with the spirit. It talks about uh, we speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We make melody in our heart as to the Lord. And then it goes into a teaching about marriage. Now I want you to follow this and see the same principles in Colossians 3.15. What is the role of worship in a healthy marriage? It says, let the peace, Colossians 3.15, of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be, fa- be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We would venture to say that probably is a worship service, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Here's marriage. Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting. The Greek word for fitting means proper, appropriate in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. The word fitting in verse 15, as is appropriate or fitting, has the meaning of to come up to, to reach out for, to attain to. Our lives, our marriages, our worship, for those of you who are married, have goals to which we seek to attain. And I would submit to you, you may not have thought of this before, but here's the thought, is that your worship, the quality of your worship, the depth of your worship, will spill over into the quality of your marriage and the depth of your relationship with your spouse. Notice how in Colossians 3.15, it says, it talks about the peace of Christ ruling, the word of God richly dwelling, and then it goes into this idea of teaching and admonishing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and it talks about doing what we do to please the Lord, and then right into the home, from worship into the home, from early worship right into the family. And maybe, just maybe, many marriages are in trouble today because the worship is lacking. The commitment to God, the vertical aspect of one's life is waning and it's going to have reverberations into the horizontal. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 11. I think that's part of what was happening here. The Corinthians, at least some of them, were missing the mark in terms of their worship. They were not praising the Lord the way that God would want. The word in Hebrew for praise is hallel. It's the first part of when we say hallelujah, we are saying praise the Lord. In the Hebrew picture language, praise means the tongue of tongues, says Dr. Seekins. It means to praise, to boast, to glory, to rave. Worship, then, is about honor. It is about giving honor where honor is definitely due, and how we worship God does matter. One more place I want you to turn, which is Psalm 29. Just hold your place in 1 Corinthians 11. Turn to Psalm 29. David 
who wrote the bulk of the Psalms is talking about worship here, Psalm 29, and he is breaking into praise to God. Psalm 29, begin at verse 1. David writes, Psalm 29, 1, Ascribe to the Lord, O sons of the mighty, 29, 1, Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord, Psalm 29, 2, The glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in holy array. If you have other translations, it says, In the splendor or beauty of holiness. Psalm 29, 3, The voice of the Lord is upon the waters, the glory, the God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. See, God is holy. And when we come into a worship service, we are to treat him as holy. Now, what does that look like? How do we ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name? How do we worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness? I would submit to you that whatever this means, it's going to reverberate back into your life. Go back to 1 Corinthians 11. Here's what I mean. When we do things God's way, there's a beauty before the Lord. He's honored. He's pleased. He's seeking worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. But I, I would submit to you that it bounces back to us. The beauty comes back to us when we live life God's way in God's order. Have you noticed? We are in a world of utter chaos. People are so confused about their purpose, who they are, what their life's about, even their very nature or being. People are uh, as confused as I've ever seen. And the church needs to bring clarity with compassion into this broken world. Because we were all there, right? We are all once there. All in the futility of our minds, we may have been confused about life. The man being addressed because the man is the head is addressed first, as we see in uh, the earlier section. And he says, every man who has something on his head while praying or prophesying disgraces his head. Bible students, who's the head of the man? Look at verse 3. I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man or the head of every husband. So if this man has something on his head while praying or prophesying in early worship service, he disgraces his head. Who does he disgrace or dishonor? Christ. He's not worshiping the Lord in the beauty of holiness. You're listening to Honor and Worship, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. Today's the last day to get your copy of Pastor Michael's book, Suit Up, as a thank you when you give a gift of $5 or more to Walk in Truth. We're a listener-supported ministry, and we appreciate the help of listeners like you. Not only to broadcast on radio and podcast, but also to do the events that we have for the community, like the 633 event we did Sunday night with Greg Kokel. So please give what you can and get your copy of Suit Up. It's our way of showing you gratitude. Click the donate button on Walk in Truth or call 844-48-TRUTH during normal business hours. Again, click the donate button on walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. Thanks, and now here's Pastor Michael. Well, you know, I've been asked in the past, why are you doing radio ministry, Pastor Michael? And the answer to that question is a passion for the Word of God and a passion to reach beyond the walls of the church. And I respect pastors who are pastoring a church and, you know, that's what they're doing and they're speaking to their congregation consistently. 
But you know what? Living Truth, God's given us a passion through Walk in Truth Radio to reach beyond the walls of the church to people who are on the freeways, people in their homes, shut-ins. And it's really a passion to reach as many people as possible. And so I would ask you, would you partner with us in that passion? You know, it takes many, many partners to uh, make a radio ministry work in the first place and then to expand it, which is our passion. We, we want to see this radio program go all over the world if that's God's will. And so we need partners. We need people like you who have been blessed by this program, who maybe you've even told friends about it and you pray for us. But would you also take the next step and donate to the cause? Now, you can become a monthly partner. You can give a one-time gift, or you can do both. Now, if you'd like to know more about what we're doing and how to donate, visit walkintruth.com, walkintruth.com, or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Call during normal business hours, and we'll tell you more about the passion behind this radio ministry. Hey, I'd also like to invite you to come on out to church at Living Truth in the city of Corona, where I serve as senior pastor. We're going through the incredible book of Galatians. Services are at 9 and 11, 15 a.m. There's stuff for the kids. There's a youth group at second service. A lot of great stuff happening. The address is 1009 Arsenal Way in Corona. You can download the Living Truth app in your app store. Look for the red logo with the pillars. You can get information, directions, find out about all the events, the teaching, much, much more. Download the app today. And we'll see you soon here at church. God bless you. Tune in Monday for Honor and Worship Part 2, Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.